through my content, I always try to infuse as much personality through it, like sharing more of my social sites to like, do not make it as transactional as perhaps like buying groceries in the supermarket, but like, hey, people buy some of my products because they feel a connection with my story or there is something specific that stood out to there. So I think that's where like for me, the social, the social aspect in selling definitely comes into play. Welcome to the Making Sales Social Podcast. Featuring the top voices in sales, marketing, and business. Join Bryn Tillman and me, Bob Woods, as we each bring you the best tips and strategies our guests are teaching their clients so you can leverage them for your own virtual and social selling. Enjoy the show. My guest for this episode of Making Sales Social is Jesse Von Bruegel, a digital creator and lead generation specialist who started his creative entrepreneurial career at a time that ended up being a little rough for the world in early 2020. But a little thing like a pandemic didn't stop Jesse, though. Since then, he's grown a following of more than 40,000 people across various platforms, including LinkedIn, X, formerly known as Twitter, and I don't know if I will ever, ever be used to calling it as X, as well as YouTube and email. And to prove his bona fides, he was recently named as a top 50 LinkedIn creator worldwide in sales and marketing. Jesse's that flavor of person that I like, a content geek slash copywriter slash coach. He sees himself mainly as a digital creator who builds cool products and who wouldn't like that, as well as helping as many like-minded experts generate high quality leads through LinkedIn and productizing their service offers. So Jesse... Welcome to Making Sales Social from the Social Sales Link Studios. Well, thanks so much for the 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 welcome, the, the invitation, and that like the, the nice welcoming words. I'm excited to uh, have a chat with you today, Bob. Oh, that sounds great. That sounds great. Appreciate hearing that. So, our first traditional question in every um, Making Sales Social episode is: What does making sales social mean to you? Yeah, that's a that's a great question. I would like to I'll say split my answer in two parts uh, sure. because with my business i both sell i would say services and products mm-hmm. and i would say one of the rules that i i would say i took this over for my for my business mentor in terms of services is that he only do, uh, like like gets clients that he would like to have a beer with and i kind of copy that rule in terms of like okay i want to work with people that i actually enjoy spending time with because then i know that we can have a great collaboration so i think that's where the social aspect for me comes in play and not necessarily only focus on oh i need to get the paycheck from this client but it's like is there a, a personal fit in terms of like doing business and i think on like the product side of things uh I think through my content, I always try to infuse as much personality through it, like sharing more of my social sites to like, do not make it as transactional as perhaps like buying groceries in the supermarket, but like, hey, people buy some of my products because they feel a connection with my story or there is something specific that stood out to there. So I think that's where like for me, the social, the social aspect in selling definitely comes into play. That's really cool because most most people, when they answer that question, go along the lines of, you know, oh, it's about um, connecting socially, blah, blah, thing, and things like that. Um, I haven't really heard anyone go in the direction you did, but I think that the direction you went in is actually very important and um, something that I think that all of us should keep in mind, no matter what we're doing when it comes to, to sales in general. So I really like that. Really like that answer. That, that, that was great. 
So um, we've already gotten into just a little bit of the how, actually more like the when behind your journey, a little bit of your origin story for superheroes, and they say like that, if you will. Uh, let's talk a little bit more about the why, though. What inspired you to delve into this niche of digital uh, creation and lead generation? Yeah, so it started as like a, I would say, an escape. Like in the beginning, you said that I, I started my entrepreneurial journey in the midst of 2020. Before that, I was working corporately, like a customer success uh, department. So it's always like in between like departments, building or getting solutions ready. But besides that, I always had a passion for writing. So my entrepreneurial journey started by writing online. And through that, I, I carved out brands first on Twitter, now known as X, and then on LinkedIn. And as I through the process of writing, I've always been able to learn more myself but also help others in the process i uh, get reach uh, and like build build products along the way all like based on on writing and i often joke about this like most people they first go into business and then they go start creating content well for me it was like i first started trade i first started trading content and then i rolled into business so everything that i learned from about business is based on the writing aspect wow yeah that's that's really, really interesting because you're right. A lot of people focus on the business idea and then try to back content into it. So, um, yeah, no, that's, that's a really great point. I, I like that a lot. Is that a mistake that you see a lot of people do in terms of not, and is content is almost like an afterthought if they're even thinking about it at all? Yeah, I would argue that 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 content is is one of the the, the highest high leverage tasks you can do in a business. But of course, it's like it's playing the long game. It's like, uh, like mm -hmm. for every business, like uh, content can be your ultimate uh, salesman or saleswoman. Like I see my content, uh, um, as like a like an army of digital warriors. Like they pave the way. They go to the world. They travel the world doing my work. Like they're my sales sales uh, sales puppets. So I think every business can, of course, uh, thrive by that. But then the question is more like tactical because not every business has their audience on LinkedIn. Certain uh, platforms might be better for certain industries, uh, et cetera, et cetera. But that's, of course, a much more tactical question. But I do think that nearly every like industry or type of business can uh, like like benefits from having content as, as a big part of their marketing strategy. Yeah, so that actually leads to an interesting question that just popped into my mind because um, when it comes to the social channels, it seems to me that especially when it comes to B2B, that I've, that LinkedIn, I think, for a vast majority of businesses is is where it's at. And that's obviously what we do. So I'm probably a little biased on that. But there are those other platforms out there. And I've always kind of looked down at the former Twitter, because I think it's kind of a cesspool, to be honest with you. But I do see people on there trying to get business from there. Do you still think that, um, you know, uh, I, I actually do think that Instagram is probably good, especially if you have a uh, visual type of uh, business. But um, do you think that Twitter now X is is still going to be good going forward? And what do you think about threads too? If you've even been on threads and we haven't even mentioned that yet. Yeah. So to, to answer your, your first question first, uh, I actually started monetization on Twitter. So 
like for the first year and a half, I sold my products and my, my cohorts through Twitter. Uh, but I, I really had a hard, I would say a harder time to, to get it off the ground. And that, that brought me back to LinkedIn early 2022. And the rest is history, <laughs> I would say, to just like use like a, <laughs> like a cliche quote there. Uh, because I would say by, by, by selling on both platforms, like the biggest difference in favor of LinkedIn I've seen is that in, by LinkedIn, there's like so much more trust baked in the platform because people interact with people. There's much more like, hey, I'm interacting with Bob Woods. Like, okay, I think this is, I, I'm almost sure this is the right person because there are almost no fake or impersonated accounts where I'm, as on Twitter, everyone can be Elon Musk, everyone can be the Zug. So there is a lot like impersonation possible. And I think Twitter is a much more of like a consuming platform. People go there to A, waste time or to just learn stuff where LinkedIn is still the number one business platform in the world. So that's where I found the most, uh, the biggest difference in terms of like it's easier to, to sell through that because people there are more business oriented but again it comes down to which industry you are so for example like like uh like e-commerce e is i think better for twitter because that's for most of the audiences like i don't see many e-commerce brands nail it on linkedin because the demographics are not there vice versa for like gadgets or like like beauty products you won't see them on Twitter, you won't see them on LinkedIn, but you will, you will see them on TikTok and Instagram because that's much more about like the whole visual stuff around it. So again, it kind of right. ties into what are you selling for who and then which platform is the best for it. But by, by to, to, to summarize there, like I've sold similar products on Twitter and I've sold similar products on LinkedIn. And LinkedIn is much easier, I would say, because again, people trust you more because they're like, hey, I didn't do actually talking with Jesse. And not talking with a profile. Yeah, I yeah, um, I cannot argue with any of that. I think that that's a great way to put it. So, um, so let's kind of roll this into digital content a little bit more. In your experience, how has the role of digital content evolved in the B two B sales process? And and if you can think of, uh, and I'm sure you can, uh, any ways of um, you know, individual salespeople, whether they're working for uh companies or they are their own company you know just leveraging digital content to enhance their sales efforts yeah i think it's still something that's very uh doesn't get like enough attention within uh businesses because a it's, it's of course it's a long long-term strategy uh and there needs to be a lot of buy-in from from the team so what i've seen so far from like the like the more employed world is that sure there are some people that try it on their, on their own, uh, but it's often not really like, uh, it's more done from their, from themselves than from the company itself. There's, and now you see the, the trend picking up that companies start to see the importance of it. So then more of the departments are like shifted into that. Um, and I think LinkedIn is, is still one of the, like the biggest platforms for that, but then you see like kind of like a, like a spray and pray method, what you often see. So it's like people are good for it or like enthusiastic for like two, three months, then don't see the results and, and stop doing it. And especially with like, like right. the, brand, the, the, the branding and like the content game, it's of course the consistency that pays off the most. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I mean, I, you see so many companies out there expecting this huge initial bang and 
sometimes it does happen. I mean, you know, we can't deny that, but more often than not, it is a long game and it's just like building, um, building credibility, generally speaking, credibility building doesn't happen immediately. And, and I think that there's a lot of correlation between, you know, just the overall thought pro process behind building credibility and then using, um, digital content to build that credibility. Cause you're still building credibility in the end. And, and that doesn't happen in two to three months. No, exactly. And, and even if it would happen in that three months, it's often like a, like a short layer, short lift effect. That's a very good point. That's a very good point. I, I, I think that's an important point. And I do think that that really speaks to, uh, for, for people who do have this luxury and it is a luxury because, um, a lot of times, you know, sales and marketing kind of butt up against each other and they really should be working together. But, you know, sales and marketing collaboration is important. Um, so how do you see the relationship between sales and marketing teams evolving, especially when it comes to lead generation? And do you have any thoughts about um, ensuring a seamless collaboration between these two departments that, like I said before, seem to be at loggerheads at times and they really shouldn't be at loggerheads? Yeah, that's a, that's a really good question because I've definitely like seen this clash when I was still uh, in my uh, like corporate corporate job, but now as like a, a solopreneur, I'm both the sales guy and the marketeer of my yes. company. So I'm yep. I'm wearing two hats at the same time, and that is that it's like a benefit because I'm at every sales call and I know every piece of content that goes out. So I think the biggest the biggest win like these companies or like I would say teams can make is like. Communication is first because as a marketeer, you want to know how the sales call goes. And as a sales call, you want to know which kind of marketing goes out because I see marketing as like the biggest one because the better we can do at marketing, the easier sales becomes because better marketing attracts better, better prospects who are more informed, are more ready to buy, which makes the closing a piece of cake. That's why I focus most of my efforts on like crafting extremely good content for my ideal clients. Because then I know that the people that it attracts are a good fit. And that's, of course, like an always like iterative process. Uh, but I think a quick win for like, like teams could be uh, just starting with, okay, what are the most, the, the most common, I would say, deal breakers from a sales perspective? And then we put on the, the marketing hat and like, okay, how can we create or manufacture assets that we proactively put in the, the, the hands of prospects? to make sure that these deal, deal breakers are not an issue anymore. And that's where I, that's how I always like think about these things. Because when I was back in customer success, I was always thinking, okay, we got a problem right now. Like how can we build something or put something in place that this problem doesn't exist anymore? And that's how I also like built my solopreneurship. But I think that's the same mindset that sales and marketing teams will, I would say, have to overcome like put Diego aside like okay what are the why are we not closing these deals okay and how can we put in this case marketing assets in place to make the sale the sale the, the sale the sale easier and most likely more, worth more money you did hit on something that I think that really rolls into my next question really well and that has to do with metrics and analytics because this is something that most salespeople probably don't think about because the only things that they're worried about is like, you know, opening ratios and close ratios and things like that. Now you have all of these marketing types of, um, of, of assets that you have out there and you really should be tracking which ones are doing well, which ones aren't doing well. 
Um, which metrics do you believe are the most crucial for B2B salespeople to monitor and why? Yeah, that's a, that's a, that's a broad question, but, uh, I can, like, I would say I, get, I can give like a, like a multifaceted answer to that. Uh, like the first, the first part of the answer would be don't overcomplicate it. There are many tools out there now for, for especially LinkedIn that are make tracking super easy. I'm a big fan of shield. I used to, uh, used to use that myself. And shield is like super easy, and it's like it's either for individual teams or for or for or individual persons or for teams. But that aside, I would say it's good to and this this taps into a little bit of like content strategy. But I really believe, and that's also what I teach my clients, that every piece of content has like a, can have a different like goal. Like with certain piece of content, it's audience growth, it's engagement, it's lead generation, it's all these things. So based on the goal, we can decided okay, which metrics of the posts are important because I know that a very heavy lead generating post, I don't rate the success of that on the number of likes, comments, or impressions. Whereas if I put out a more educational piece, which I intend to put out to grow my audience, I rate the, the success of that on, okay, how much impressions did I get? How much new followers did I get? How much new comments, et cetera? How many shares did I have? And that make, I make that the benchmark. So I think for people that are starting in the journey is just just a simple um simple question is like okay why am i posting in this case on linkedin is it to grow an audience or is it to generate leads one of course they go hand in hand but based on that it becomes e easier to say okay this post success or this is not a success and we can set some benchmarks on that yeah, that's really interesting. And one of the things that that we teach when it comes to, you know, content on LinkedIn and and I just want to kind of toss toss this by you really quick is that you know, metrics are important and obviously we do look at metrics but 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 we think that you know, the interactions that come as a result of the posts are just as important even if not important because you can use those interactions if you start a conversation with someone in comments, you could then, you know, potentially get a sales conversation or just a regular conversation started based on those comments. And so, you know, we view metrics as important, but the most important metric I think that we have is just how many conversations we can get based off of that content, which isn't really, it's not really content driven as much as conversation driven if that makes sense yeah i think that's uh that's a perfect summary there um it's all about having the conversation starters absolutely and 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 we think that especially that educational content really really works because when you're teaching uh, at least it's been my experience when you're teaching someone something um and they go oh i didn't i didn't know that that's really interesting uh it almost seems like that their minds start to open up to really start to want to learn more about that subject and because their 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 minds are opening up more they are more willing to um accept new ideas and to even talk about them potentially too yeah definitely and that 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 ties into something that we discussed earlier uh that's where i see content is so is so valuable because not everyone that sees our content the first time is ready to buy like certain people are more aware of the problem they're having or they just need more uh information about the solution we have so one of my i would say favorite 
soft selling tactic is like a process breakdown, which I like to call it, where I just have a post that explains more about how I work. Looking to up your LinkedIn game? The Social Sales Link team has you covered with our LinkedIn Sales Accelerator, a guided social selling program that includes training, coaching, and so much more. Visit socialsaleslink.com slash in for more details. Again, that's socialsaleslink.com slash in. With my clients or how working with me looks like, et cetera, et cetera. Because as I'm a service provider, certain people are just like, okay, I have no clue what he, what he actually does. And then you, we need to educate our audience, especially in the high ticket space, educate them up, up till the moment. They're like, hey, now I'm ready to buy. So that might be for certain prospects, that's three days. For certain prospects, that might be six months. And again, we want to nurture them through our content. So that's, of course, where engaging and in initiating this conversation becomes so uh, important. Great. Yeah, no, I couldn't. I, I could. I could not agree with that more. So I think that, that dovetails really well into my next question, which is um, as we're especially as we're starting out in doing these types of things, we're going to be making mistakes. So um, what are some of the common mistakes that you see people on LinkedIn uh, do when they're, when they're doing all this content stuff? And what are some of the biggest challenges that they have in even getting stuff out in the first place? Yeah, I think a lot of that comes down to like the, the mental blockages. Uh, like, um, so the, the, the easiest way to cure that is by just getting started like just get started with like one or two posts a week rent it up the more you feel comfortable because the longer people like procrastinate on starting to write the bigger of a like a demon it becomes um so i think that's that's uh one of the biggest things and that's really hard because i don't think there are like any programs or services that help people like overcome like mental blockages so that people have to do themselves but just getting started and uh, accepting that the first 10 posts will suck and you won't go viral and all these things uh and i think that's a, that's a big one let's say let's assume that people are already get started i think then the common mistake i see people making is stopping before it starts working or expect to have like un unrealistic expectation like what ties into the first question like after three four weeks ah it's not working well that's based on i would say wrong expectations because the goal in the beginning is to keep writing i think the goal in the beginning is not to gain a thousand followers overnight or to 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 generate most of your high ticket leads or clients in the first three four weeks if it would happen perfect but i would say it's good to temper those expectations Another mistake I would say that I see people making is go from let's a little bit like uh, like broader than LinkedIn on itself, but I see them hopping from platform to platform. Like say, say ah. they first they first start on LinkedIn and they have a few posts there. Then like oh I need to I need to be that's the belief they have I need to be in Instagram too. Oh I see other people killing it on Twitter now with threads coming out. Oh it's it's only that so. And then the, the thing they say to themselves, like, hey, yeah, but I already write it, wrote, wrote this post for LinkedIn. I can easily repurpose it there. But especially in the beginning phase, like most of the learning process is also about the dynamics of a platform. Like even if I would start on, let's say, I'm going to do lead generation on Instagram, even though I have three and a half years of content creation, 
I still have a learning curve because I don't understand fully how the platform is used for that case. So I think that's what people like often underestimate. Like, yeah, I got the piece of content, but there's a whole different game to learn in order to get the same results. Plus my counter argument to that is always like, hey, did you already complete LinkedIn? Are you the number one in everything or whatever the platform is? So there's always the, 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 there's always more uh, more room to grow there, especially early stages. That sounds that's 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 great advice. That's great advice. Um, one thing that we hadn't talked about before, uh, you know, in our in our conversation prior prior to hitting the the record button, but I just want to get your take on it is is video. So I mean, everybody is like, oh my god, I got to put up uh, content. Then they start seeing people who are talking to other people through video, and they're like, oh my god, do I really have to do video? Do you think that people really have to do video? Uh, I don't think people should do anything, <laughs> but, uh, like it's, it's always like a, like a personal, personal choice, but especially like, let's say, okay, to, again, two, two parts of the answer here mm -hmm. earlier on in the content journey, you want to stick with a format that you feel the most comfortable with for me, that was writing for other people that might be podcasting or video. So then learn your, like le learn the way of content through, through that medium and then branch out later down the road. Like I started with writing, I, I added video, I think actively like three, four months ago, but I was already like, I already created a few courses. I was uh, familiar with like doing live sessions in terms of the codes that I run, mm -hmm. uh, because for me, as I sell high ticket services, I, I know that video is an extra layer of personal branding because people hear how I speak, how I teach, how I look all the kind of things. So that will either like move them closer to working with me or move them further away, which is fine because I'm not trying to be perfect for everyone. Plus what I've seen on LinkedIn specifically, or sorry, on YouTube specifically, there is a gap for the knowledge that I, I mostly write about. Like most of the LinkedIn content on YouTube is more like the sales navigator, cold outreach kind of stuff where I'm teaching my clients inbound, inbound lead generation through content. So there is a big gap there. So that's why I'm like, tapping into that opportunity and i think for me it's an interesting game to to learn but again i i have to understand the dynamics of youtube in order to grow there and this ties into the question of my answer to the previous question so yeah. i think video is is definitely here to stay uh last bit on that i also see that there are more evergreen assets so i always like to see as my con my every piece of content that i create i see as an asset but like the the lifespan of it on LinkedIn is like one, two, three days, perhaps a week if it goes viral on YouTube, it just evergreen. Like my best performing video on YouTube on YouTube has was my first video. No editing, no rerun, no nothing. It's mm -hmm. my best performing video. It's there up for like four months. And it's every day it gets seen. I didn't do anything with hashtags and stuff, but I just spoke up apparently about a good topic in a good way. So that's that's for me like an interesting insight as well it doesn't have to be as polished as people think sure there is this whole section of like all the brushed up youtube stuff but i go more for like lower production highest value yeah that's really interesting because that gets into the whole um topic of of content consuming platforms and and we've touched on this a little bit you know instagram Facebook, TikTok is especially content consuming. And and you think that LinkedIn has a little bit more of an edge to it. And I'm wondering if you can get into that just a little bit. In, in terms of content uh, consumption, consumption, you mean, Bob? 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it's um, it's it's an interesting uh, question to 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 think about because what I've observed is that the intention of people that go to LinkedIn is different. They go to network to learn to to be exposed perhaps to new ideas, whereas the other platforms that you mentioned, people just go more to like waste time or just to doomlessly scroll. Uh, so I think that ties in what I said earlier in terms of like it's perhaps harder to do business on the consumption platforms. But if you do mm -hmm. right, there are more eyeballs because there are overall more people there. Um, and yeah, it also really comes down to who are you serving because you can still be like like we spoke about earlier. It's like e-commerce doesn't really thrive on LinkedIn because there's no audience for that. Uh, so again, it's kind of like the all there are many answers possible to this question. <laughs> yes. So for me, I think I think that part of it has to do with um, you know, when 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 people are on LinkedIn, you touched on this already, they 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 do have more of a purpose to be there. They're not necessarily there to to doom scroll or whatever although i'm sure that some people do do that on linkedin as well but um but when it comes to linkedin because there's an expectation there that it's more professional that people are a little more willing to start professional conversations there in in comments and in direct messaging and things like that as opposed to you know instagram or x or whatever where god knows what happens there but um but i also think that because with linkedin it's easier to find content from the same creator by going to the profile and just looking at other things that they've shared as well as just having the profile there, which the LinkedIn profile is just massive in, in terms of what you can do in terms of educating people and proving to people that you're a thought leader and everything as, as opposed to, you know, Twitter and um, Instagram where you've got that one little block up top and that's it. And you can't really do anything with it. I think that that's a little bit more of where the um, edge comes in a little bit. So, um, you know, I don't know if, if 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 you would agree with that, but it does seem to me that maybe that's where the edge of LinkedIn comes comes a little bit more as opposed to the more content. I, I guess it's almost a case of content consuming versus um, content slash interacting, I think might be a good way to put that. Yeah. Yeah, that's 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 a good question, and I, I didn't think directly to like the like the, the LinkedIn profile because I do see the LinkedIn profile as an our own landing page because as you perfectly laid out, you can add like the featured section, you can add the, the hyperlink, you can add like you can almost like style it as like a one page, and especially yeah. for us in the service space, it becomes the perfect way to sell myself, my business, my services, etc. Whereas on on uh, Instagram or Twitter, you have almost have to be creative with like a link tree that people are really wary of like clicking that because then there's like they're like ah too much, and LinkedIn yeah. is much more of like a, a a natural flow of things, so that's a good thing. And I would argue though that LinkedIn is very much a consumer platform as well because okay. I joke about this sometimes because because it doesn't matter like which role in a company someone has and. 
it's always allowed to have LinkedIn open on their computer as like a tab, even though they're not even like HR or or sales or whatever people are oh, yeah. all, all, allowed to scroll LinkedIn. So that brings me to the saying that with 900 million, that's of course not the same, but like, like 900 million uh, people are on LinkedIn, like not so many like active users, less than 1% post weekly or by a few times a week. So there are so many eyeballs are on the platform because everyone is scrolling and only like a, like a select few of the people are actively creating content. So that will, I would definitely say that it's a consumption platform, but the quality of the eyeballs might be higher than on other platforms. That's a very, it's a very interesting point, a point that I've, I've, I've never really thought about like that, but I like it. I, I, I like that a lot. Definitely. So let's talk just a let, let's just touch a real little bit about content creation. And I'm specifically thinking about chat GPT here and other generative AI program, uh, other generative AI types of, of services out there that can help because, um, it's definitely a huge interest of mine right now. And we're starting to incorporate that into what we teach here at social sales link. And so it's a very favorite subject of mine. I'm just wondering how not, not only how you use it in, in general, but do you have advice for, for, for people who are using generative AI to help them with content? Cause it can be a huge help, especially for salespeople who are looking to get time back into their day to not do content as much and, uh, you know, go out there and do sales. Yeah. For me, it's, uh, I, uh, I saw myself late to the game because I think we only started using it like in April ish, but I would say mm -hmm. in the biggest scheme of things, that's still like early adopter. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but for me, it has been a, a massive unlock because my output has like massively increased, but besides that. Also, my thinking has become sharper because how I treat ChatGPT in this case, I treat it as like the, I see it as like the most eager and ambitious intern I've got is willing to do anything for me, but I have to be extremely concise and clear yeah. and specific what I need and what I don't need. So an example, like, uh, like before this call, I was mapping out some of my like processes and stuff. And at some point I was stuck in my thinking. So I have ChatGPT open. I even use like a browser extension so I can talk to it, just spit out my talks and then it talks back to me. So it's just like an idea, ideation partner. Yep. Uh, so I just outsource my thinking, but I also, it also forces me to ask better questions because it knows everything. So ask yep. better questions, get better answers. So it also forces me to just get better thinking, which I can then use in the rest of my life outside of my laptop. So for me, that's been a game changer. Uh, like simple examples, I, I've built like prompts for content creation and content strategy creation, which I teach to my clients. And I think like two weeks ago, I even taught my girlfriend how to use it. And in the beginning, she was like, oh, it only gets like poems and stuff. And now she's <laughs> using it on like a, such a, such a way of things like, oh, I got this, I got this challenge. Let me write it in there. So it's, it's fun to see how she, it's like a mindset check in terms of like, oh, it doesn't do what I want. No. How can I ask about a question to get the results I need or the outcome that's I want? That's exactly, that's exactly right. Yeah. I, I, I love that thing. And, and you're right. It's, it's, it's amazing how when you start using it a lot, it really shapes how you communicate with people outside the platform too, because you can, you can really think of ways to get exactly what you, um, and it's usually information and things like that out of people. 
only because you're asking questions in the right way and you're being very specific about it. So, yeah, I mean, it's it's all good. And, and I definitely like chat GPT a lot when it when it comes to content creation and things like that. So um, we all love those. One thing you can do right now, takeaways when it comes to conversations like this. So um, what is one thing we can all do today? to bring in better clients with better offers and better content through content? What's something someone can go out and do basically right now? Yeah, that's a, that's a good question. And <laughs> I'm going to give a very unsexy answer, I think. And that's write the first post. I know that's like a, like a big task, but I, my, my humble advice would be get off the zero streak. So it's better to just have something going and, and just get started. Don't worry about like, strategy or or positioning or personal branding and all these like like big amorphous things uh, i think if people are on the on the on the edge or on the fence of like okay yeah i, I think the, the content game is something that i want to like get get into mm -hmm. is start writing and then some of the advice is more is more tactical is one of the questions that I kept repeating in my, to myself in the beginning when I was like stuck on an ID, ID process or sorry, an, an ID to write about is like one of the simplest question, what is the advice I wish I heard six months ago? Because especially mm. B2B, B2B salespeople, they are in constant like, like good confrontation with their prospect, with their clients. They're constantly yeah. like having come from good conversation, closing deals, missing deals, losing this, et cetera. And I'm pretty sure they have lessons, insights, challenges, whatever, reflections that six months ago, they wish they had that because back then it was a problem. So I think that's that's whatever industry you are, whichever role they're in, if you're a business professional, like writing for your past self, I think it's always like a great exercise. That's that's amazing. That's amazing advice. I, I've, I like that a lot. And um, I think if there's, and and I'll kind of throw something in that's like really adjacent, but I think works really well, too, is if if for some reason you're still just like, mm, I'm not positive that I want to like even write that first piece of content. And this is LinkedIn specific, by the way. Um, start going through your timeline, start finding content that other people are putting out and maybe make a comment or two on their content. And I'm not talking about doing the typical great post, you know, oh, I love this post type of thing. In other words, you know, add your thoughts to it, add your reasoning to it. Um, I don't know if I necessarily disagree unless you think that someone is just so off base on their post. Then at that point, you might want to. I would I would generally apply a yes and type of philosophy to it. But even if you start getting comfortable with commenting, that can kind of get the ball rolling a little bit there for you. Plus, if you're commenting on someone's content and you're thinking, oh, that might actually be a good post, that might be the springboard to that first post that Jesse was talking about. So commenting and obviously commenting is something that we teach and it's very viable in terms of uh, in terms of starting sales conversations. But even just getting you more used to the LinkedIn platform, commenting is another great way to get started, too. So with yes, that, that's yeah. that that's a very good point. Like I've had so many posts that originated from a comment, especially yeah. because my feed now is of course curated with like peers and business professional and prospects and clients. So it's like 
I don't have like farmers on my on my feed. Ah. So everything <laughs> that I interact with is semi or fully aligned with my stuff. So then I you you have indeed a comment, and all you need is like the spark. Oh, this is a great idea, and then you write the comment put it in a notion or put it in document, whatever you use, and then expand on the post. So that's a really good way of like getting over the fear of like public exposure because commenting us already like, hey, put yourself in the spotlight and then you can use that to create a post out of it. Right. So um, obviously if, uh, if, if you want to follow uh, Jesse on, on uh, LinkedIn or any of his other channels, go ahead and do that. But if people want to learn more about you and your offerings, um, where, where can they go, Jesse? Yeah, that is a good question. So people can go to premiumleadsystem.com slash podcast dash opt-in. I think Bob, you can do the, the link in the show notes as well yeah. because yep. this will this will get people like a like a quick three-step strategy, like a like an ebook, like a guide to to get started on LinkedIn. So the three topics that we cover is profile optimization, creating content and generate leads, and a difference a little part about like strategic engagement in terms of networking. So every covers everything that we spoke about today. So that's like my my gift to the audience if they want to get started that way. Yeah, that sounds good. So again, that's premiumleadsystem.com slash podcast dash opt-in. Oh, exactly. So great. No, that sounds good. Um, so Jesse Van Bruegel, content geek, copywriter, coach, and digital creator extraordinaire. Thanks so much for joining us. Really appreciate your time today, sir. Yes, thanks for having me, Bob. Absolutely. And thank you for streaming this episode of Making Sales Social. So remember when you're out and about this week, be sure to make your sales social. Thanks for watching and join us again for more special guest instructors bringing you marketing, sales training, and social selling strategies that will set you apart. Hit the subscribe button below to get the latest episodes from the Making Sales Social podcast. Give this video a thumbs up and comment down below on what you want to hear from us next. You can also listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Play. Visit our website, socialsaleslink.com, for more information.